there's no doubt that we're living in uncertain times. This pandemic has impacted all of our schedules and plans. So many of us have had to stay at home much more than we ever expected. Schools and businesses have closed. Travel has been disrupted. Sporting events, concerts, festivals and of course our church programme have been cancelled. And of course the greatest impact is on those who have become very ill or who have lost their lives or their loved ones. And none of us know really what lies ahead. This Tuesday, of course, is the end of these present lockdown regulations. And although the the pathway has been laid out for us, we don't really understand what comes next. Even the experts, they are not sure of what's going to happen in the next months ahead. Now, of course, that's always the case. None of us are ever sure of the future. Proverbs 27 and 1 says this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So, in a sense, our future is always uncertain. Tomorrow is always unknown to us. But this is a time with so much uncertainty, and that can impact all of us so deeply. It can lead us to feeling unsafe, or threatened, or stressed, or helpless, or insecure. So in times like these, we need something certain that we can hold on to. Something secure that we can rest on. Something solid that we can stand on. And this is what Jesus provides for us in John chapter 17. Last week we looked at the the start of this amazing prayer, where Jesus prayed for himself. But in the next section, Jesus specifically prayed for his disciples. But through this, he showed us how we can have certainty in this uncertain world. So this morning we're going to look at John chapter 17 and verse 6 to verse 12. So if you have a Bible, please open it up. And have a look at that as we read it. I have revealed you to those who gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. On that night before Jesus went to the cross, his disciples were struggling with an uncertain future. Jesus had told them that he was leaving them, and that this would impact them so much 
that not only would they be would they weep and mourn, overcome with the sadness and sorrow, but they would also be scattered. But they didn't understand this. They didn't know what all of this meant or what was really going to happen. They were left feeling weak and stressed and worried and confused. But when Jesus prayed for them, he didn't pray a prayer filled with uncertainty. Yes, he knew that they needed help. And next week we're going to look at the second part of this section where Jesus prayed to the Father to give them what they needed. But today I want us to see why, despite all of the challenges that lay ahead, as well as the weakness of their character and their commitment, Jesus could pray with confidence about who these disciples were and how they would be able to stand before God. And that's important for us, because although Jesus was praying specifically for those disciples, this certainty, this security can apply to us as well. That's because Jesus defined his disciples here as those who believed in him. Verse 8, they believed that you sent me. Now these disciples didn't understand everything about Jesus. They had still so much to learn. And yet they believed that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah, the one sent by God. This was because they'd accepted that Jesus' words were from God. Verse 8, I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. Saving faith is not based on human ideas or philosophies. It's not wishful thinking. Believing something is true just because we want it to be so. Instead, it's about trusting in the revelation from Jesus. Jesus prayed again in verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. I have revealed you. Jesus came as the revelation of God to this world. He is God incarnate. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the one who came to make God known. He could say to Philip, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And saving faith is about listening to him and accepting his revelation. It's about receiving the truth of who he is and what he has said, believing that he is the way and the truth and the life. Faith comes from hearing, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But these disciples didn't only accept the words of Jesus. They also obeyed them. Verse 6, they have obeyed your word. They listened to Jesus and in faith they did what Jesus told them. 
And this is the mark of all true disciples. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 8. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. But what is that obedience that defines someone as a disciple of Jesus? What is the obedience that Jesus is looking for? Well, I don't know if you remember way back when we looked at John chapter 6. People asked Jesus that very question. They asked him in verse 28 of John chapter 6, what must we do to do the works God requires? And I think they were probably looking for a list of of rules and regulations or rituals that they'd keep. They thought that becoming right with God was something that they could achieve if they just tried hard enough. And many people are trying to do the same today. They're desperately trying to be good enough to work their way to God. But do you remember what Jesus said in verse 29 of John 6? Jesus replied, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The obedience that brings us into the community of Jesus' disciples is not following rules and and rituals and, and regulations, but rather it's just simply to believe in him. It is to transfer our faith from ourselves, from our efforts, from our religious activity, and instead put our faith in Jesus, in his sacrificial death, in his glorious resurrection. It's to put our faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And this is what transformed these men's lives from just ordinary, everyday guys into his disciples. And this is what can transform our lives too. This is why, of course, John wrote his gospel. Remember, this is our theme verse for all for our studies in, John, in John's gospel. John chapter 20, verse 31. These are written... That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So there may be so much that we do not understand about God this morning. There's so much that we need to still learn about him. But if we have put our faith in Jesus... If we've trusted in him as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, then we have become his disciples. We are now part of this new covenant community. This is Jesus' promise in John chapter 5 and 24. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So this morning, if we have believed in Jesus, then we have that amazing certainty that we have eternal life. We will never be condemned by our sins or by our failures. 
Instead, we have already been rescued from death and we've come into the joy of his eternal life. So this morning, do you have that certainty? Do you have that security? Have you believed in Jesus? So these disciples, they were those who, like us, have believed in Jesus. And today it's amazing that we can celebrate that in our time of communion together. But Jesus prayed here about something that gives us even more certainty in our lives. Even before his disciples had put their faith in him, they had belonged to the Father. If you look at verse 6, it says, They were yours. Now, of course, they belonged to God in the sense of being his creatures. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. That's Psalm 100, verse 3. As the creator, God is the rightful owner of everything in this world. And that includes every person. It doesn't matter who we are or where we've come from or what we have or haven't done. God rightly claims ownership of us. But Jesus wasn't praying for everybody here. He said, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. Jesus was not praying for his disciples because they belonged to the Father, because they were his creation. Instead, he was praying for the disciples as belonging to the Father because they were his chosen people. This is about God's sovereign choice of these disciples before they chose to believe in him. Jesus had already said about the disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. Now, I know this is a biblical truth that often challenges and confuses so many people and causes a whole load of controversy. But the Bible is clear on this. Before we could make a choice to believe in Jesus, God knew us and chose us to belong to him. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. He chose us in him before the, the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So if we've trusted in Jesus, then we are God's chosen people. We are those that God foreknew and predestined to belong to him before this world began. Of course, this doesn't take away from the importance of our faith 
in Jesus. Without faith in Jesus, we cannot be part of God's family. But that faith in Jesus didn't make God choose us to belong to him. Instead, our faith in Jesus revealed God's prior choice of us. This is what Paul writes to the Thessalonians. We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So today, we can know that we are, we have been chosen by God, because we've been impacted with the gospel, and through the work of the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been brought to faith in Jesus. Our faith in Jesus reveals that God had already chosen us. And if we accept this truth and let it sink down into our hearts, then it can give us such security and certainty in our lives. In many ways, these disciples, they looked feeble and weak. They struggled with their lack of knowledge and understanding about Jesus. They were still holding on to their preconceived ideas about what God was going to do through the Messiah. Their love for Jesus was too weak to be able to stand and to to stand the challenge of Jesus' arrest. Their love for each other was so poor that they often ended up fighting among each other, among themselves. About who was going to be the best, who was going to be the greatest. But despite all of these weaknesses and all of these limitations, Jesus could pray with confidence and he could say, they are yours. That's because their belonging did not depend on their behaviour. Rather, it depended first and foremost on God's sovereign grace in their lives. And that's the same for us. Today, we don't need to question whether we're good enough, or if our faith is strong enough, or if our commitment is deep enough. Instead, if we have put our faith in Jesus, then we can rest on this wonderful truth that from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. It's amazing this morning that we can have the certainty that we belong to the Father. So these disciples were those who believed in Jesus because they belonged to the Father. But thirdly, this this prayer also shows us that they've been given to Jesus. Verse 6, again, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. These disciples were a gift from the Father to the Son. 
Their identity was again the result of God's sovereign grace in their lives. And this emphasizes both their value and their security. When we are given a present by someone that we love, that object becomes valuable to us. It doesn't really matter how impressive or useful or how expensive that gift is. Its value is that it was given to us by someone who loves us. Other people may not see its value, but we do. Because it was a gift from someone that we love. So these disciples, they might not have looked very special. In Acts 4 it says they were unschooled, ordinary men. And throughout the Gospels, their ordinariness is plain for everyone to see. Their background was humble. Their beliefs were often mixed up and their behaviour was mixed at best. They were often afraid, often confused, often fighting with each other. But their value was not dependent on those things. Instead, Jesus treasured them because they'd been given by the Father, whom he loved. And that's true of us too. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Jesus loves us and values us. We are precious in his sight, and he will never drive us away. And that is not based on what we do or what we achieve, or what we will become. But it's because that we are a gift from his loving Father. So we are valued this morning. We are precious this morning in Jesus' sight. But this truth also means that we're doubly owned Jesus said, all I have, verse 10, all I have is yours, and all you have is mine. This is another claim from Jesus in John's Gospel, to be equal with his Father. It's a claim that that reveals his deity again. But it also means that these disciples didn't only belong to the Father, they also belonged to the Son. They were doubly owned, and so they were doubly secure. And that's true of each of us. Jesus said about everybody who follows him, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So if we have trusted in Jesus, then we belong to the Father as his chosen people. And we have been given to the Son as his precious gift. And nobody can snatch us out of their hands. And that security is what Jesus went on to talk about in his prayer in verse 12. None has been lost 
except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus, sorry, Judas, Judas was lost. He was one of the twelve, but by this point he'd gone. He had walked out from that upper room into the darkness. But this wasn't a mistake, or it wasn't because Jesus was unable to hold on to him or unable to save him. This was first and first of all because Judas had never believed in Jesus. Earlier, way back in John chapter six. It said, there are, or Jesus had said, there are some of you who do not believe. And it goes on to say, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. This lack of faith meant that Judas was never forgiven. He was never cleansed of his sin. He was never saved. But this was also because Of God's sovereign will. Judas was lost because in fulfillment of scripture he was doomed to destruction. He was not among God's chosen people. Earlier that night Jesus said, I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. So Judas, he was lost because he was never saved. But the rest of the disciples, the eleven, they had been kept safe by Jesus. Verse 12, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. On their own, these disciples were vulnerable and defenseless under the attack of the world and the devil. They would not have been able to hold on to their relationship with God on their own. But Jesus had protected them. Through the power of his character, his love and his grace, Jesus had kept them safe. He had shielded them. And so although they struggled and they stumbled, none of them were lost. And this is God's sovereign will for each and every one of us. If we've believed in Jesus, then we belong to the Father, we've been given to to the Son, and we have been protected by him. This is what he said in John chapter 6. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. This morning we can face all of the uncertainty and uh, of this challenging and difficult world with the confidence and the conviction that nothing and no one can ever separate us from the love of God. Because Jesus is able to save us completely. Jesus is able to keep us safe.
But there's one final thing I want us to see this morning from this passage. Jesus prayed that glory has come to me through them. These disciples, as we've seen this morning again, these disciples were not an impressive bunch of guys. They had very clear faults and failings. And up to this point, they really hadn't accomplished that much. And yet, amazingly, Jesus said here that their lives had brought glory to him. Now, how is that possible? How did their lives glorify Jesus? Well, when they accepted and when they obeyed his word, they honoured him as their Lord. And when they believed in him, they glorified him as their saviour. And when their sins were fully forgiven through Jesus' death on the cross, and they received that free gift of eternal life, and they were instantly rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's Son, then the wonder of Jesus' unconditional love and the depths of his amazing grace and the power of his sacrificial death was demonstrated to the world. So what that means is that their limitations, their weaknesses, their selfishness, their sin did not prevent them from glorifying God. Instead, when they turned to Jesus in repentance and faith, their sinfulness, their weakness, their limitations actually highlighted the wonder and the beauty and the awesomeness of their Savior. It revealed the depths of God's grace in their lives, that God could take men like them and make them his sons. And that's the same for us. In Ephesians 1, as we read a while, a while back, Jesus says that we were chosen and predestined to be children of God to the praise of his glorious grace. Then Paul goes on to say this, you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We don't bring glory to Jesus this morning by hiding all of our faults and failings and pretending that we are good enough or strong enough to live for God. Instead, we bring glory to God when we come honestly and humbly to him as sinners and accept His outrageous grace. Their outrageous grace that was bought with His precious blood.
So this is the certainty that we can pray with, and even in this uncertain time in our world. We can rejoice that we are safe and we are secure because we rest on God's sovereign grace. We have believed in Jesus. But that's because we belonged to Jesus. And we've been given, we belong to the Father and we've been given to Jesus. So we've been protected by Jesus. And so today, we can bring glory to Jesus when we rest in his unfailing love and his amazing grace. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you this morning for these amazing things that we can hold on to in this uncertain time in our life, Lord. You know how deeply this impacts us these times, Lord, when our foundations and our, uh, and our lives and our schedules and our plans are, are so much up in the air. And yet, Lord, thank you that you have given us these amazing truths that we can stand on this morning. That because we have put our faith in Jesus, we can know that we have been chosen by you from before the creation of the world, Lord. You have loved us from eternity past and you will love us to eternity future. That you have chosen us to belong to you. And you have given us to your Son, the Lord Jesus, as a precious gift, valued and secured by Jesus. So we're protected by him, so we're guarded by him, so we're kept by him, so we can just rest in his salvation this morning. And thank you, Father, that even although we are, we recognize our failures and our weaknesses, we recognize our limitations and our restrictions, Lord, even though we see how often we, we stumble and we fall. Thank you, Father, that you are glorifying your Son through us. Because your grace is being revealed. Your love is being demonstrated. The power of your salvation is being shown to this world because you have saved people like us. To the praise of your glorious grace. Lord, help us to rest in these truths. Help us to rejoice in them today. And Lord, help us to let them sink down deep into our hearts so that we could live and we can can go through this uncertain time with this certainty, this security, resting in your sovereignty and your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray.